Welcome listeners and watchers to the first episode of the Talking Sira podcast uh, brought to you by Voice of the Ummah. Uh, so this is the first episode of, of many episodes, inshallah. Um, as, as the name suggests, it is about the seerah of our noble, beloved messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So just to give you a bit of an explanation of what this is about, it's, it's essentially about the seerah, but keeping it very simple and concise and really speaking about the lessons that we can take from the seerah. So it's not going to be a very detailed um, kind of lecture-esque kind of a, d- a description of the, the biography of the Messenger Sallallahu but more uh, practical and how we can apply it in our lives and what you'll find is that I'll bring um, some examples of the reality that we find today to and apply it to the seerah inshallah. So uh, many of you may have been uh, watching or listening to our Talking Deed podcast uh, and we've had, alhamdulillah, had really good feedback. So Jazakallah Khairan for all those who have listened and, and provided that feedback. Uh, but one of the things what we've done is taking those lessons and learnings from Talking Deen and applied it to this new uh, series of episodes of, of this podcast. So um, like with Talking Deen, you'll find that Talking Sira will also be on YouTube, on Facebook. It will also be on every uh, popular podcast platform. Um, so you can Inshallah, you can listen to uh, this series on any any um, platform you want to. So today I wanted to talk about um, really the importance of understanding the seerah. What is the importance and what why is it really um, essential to our lives to really study the seerah? Um, so I want to do this, but before I go into some of the examples, because I don't have time to go through every single reason, but I want to pick out kind of six to seven key reasons for studying the seerah. But before I do this, I want to speak about the meaning of the seerah. What, what does it really mean uh, when we say seerah? Um, many of us will know that when we say seerah, we mean uh, the life of the Prophet wasallam. It's become such a, a term that many people use, many scholars, many lectures, we would have heard this term. But really, if you just go back to the roots, it means, uh, it comes from the verb sahar, which means to travel. Um, and what we do essentially are doing is when we're studying the biography or the seerah or the life of, of a certain person, what we're doing is we're traveling through their life, right? Traveling through their biography. Um, but what we find in more recent uh, history, or not, not that recent, but, uh, you know, uh, when, when the life of the Prophet became very prominent and he was, you know, the, the, the greatest of mankind, um, this word seerah can be applied and used to any person, but it's become synonymous with the life of our noble messenger sallallahu today. So whenever we say seerah, we mean the seerah of the messenger, but it can be used for anyone. So we can say seerah of Abu Bakr, seerah of Omar, seerah of myself, for example, but we'd never use that like this because it's become so synonymous with the messenger that we only mean the life of the Prophet So the other uh, meaning that we find uh, with seerah is it means the path or a path. So when we say uh, sirat, we mean path. And the fact is, we actually use this word uh, every day. Uh, many of us, or wish all of us really, when we pray, uh, we use this word in every single salah. It's in the Surah Al-Fatiha. 
uh, two times actually. So when we say sirat al mustaqim, we're talking about the sirat al mustaqim. So the path of uh, mustaqim, the, the right path. So we ask and implore Allah to guide us on the straight path, right? The straight path. Um, so when we say when we ask Allah to guide us on this path and keep us away from the path that has has kind of brought about the anger of Allah. Um, or brought about misguidance, we, we we ask Allah, we make dua to Allah to keep us away from this. So no doubt the Sirat al-Mustaqim is the path of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa It is actually, he actually is that path. So how can we say and how can we ask Allah to guide us on the straight path without understanding the Sirat? Without having spent time in learning and seeking that knowledge about the path and the the seerah of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, we cannot we we cannot really give justice to this to this du'a that we are asking Allah because Surah Al-Fatiha is actually a du'a. We're asking Allah guide us on the straight path. You know those that you have kind of um, you know given guidance to and keeping us away from the Christians who had been misguided and the Jews that have earned the anger of Allah subhanahu wa taala. So this is what we mean uh, by sirah. Moving on to some of the reasons. So the, the, what I really wanted to talk about is maybe six or seven key reasons to study the sirah. But there are many reasons. So I may most likely will miss out many of the key reasons as well. But we don't have time to go through everything. And I just, you know, when I was studying and doing some research uh, on this episode, um, I thought, okay, what are the key ones that we can apply, you know, apply today in our lives? Uh, and the first one really is, by understanding the seerah, we're able to fulfill the obligations that have been commanded of us. So our purpose in life, as all of us know, uh, will know, is that it is to worship Allah. That is our sole purpose, is to worship Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, that, uh, That I have not created jinn or mankind except to worship me. So in order to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if this is our purpose in life, we need to know how to worship Allah. What is the way in which we can worship Allah in the right way and the best of ways? And that is only by following the path and the seerah of the Messenger Because the Messenger was sent to us to show us how. He, he provided the message of Islam to us and he also provided the sunnah. He provided the, the uh, methodology. How do we worship Allah in the right manner? So only by understanding the seerah can we really uh, obey Allah. Right, um, the Messenger Sallallahu showed us how to obey Allah in the best of manners, how to, to fulfill all of His obligations, how to wait, stay away from all of His prohibitions. So this is why one of the reasons why it's very important that we study and understand uh, the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And only by studying the seerah can we fulfill our obligations. The the other reason, uh, very linked to this, uh, is that. In order to really understand the seerah, sorry, in order to understand the Qur'an, when we read the Qur'an and when we, uh, you know, we put the Qur'an in, uh, rightly so, at a very high status. Um, it is our guidance, it is the Furqan, as Allah has described it to be, the criterion. But in order to really understand the Qur'an, we must understand the seerah. We cannot detach the two, we cannot detach the Qur'an and the Sunnah from each other. And there is a campaign out there today to do this, a, a, a deliberate campaign to detach the Qur'an from the Sunnah. Because what happens is if you detach the two from each other, the Qur'an, Islam, becomes very conceptual. It doesn't, you know, the practicality of Islam, the implementation of Islam is removed because you've removed the methodology, which is the Sunnah. 
So this is why in order for us to understand the Qur'an properly in the best of ways, we have to understand the Sunnah, understand the Seerah of the Prophet And Aisha uh, once said that uh, the Prophet his character was the Qur'an. He embodied the Qur'an. His character was the Qur'an. And Imam al-Nawi, uh, may Allah have mercy upon him, he once said that what Aisha meant by this is that um, he, he sallallahu alayhi wasallam, acted in accordance to the Qur'an. He adhered to the limits of the Qur'an. He followed the etiquettes of the Qur'an and he paid heed to the lessons and the parables from the Qur'an, pondering over its meanings and even reciting it properly. So, if if the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam is that walking, talking Qur'an as Aisha described it him to be, then how can we not want to understand and study the seerah? How can we ignore it? You know, this is the status of the seerah, even in the eyes of Ummul Mu'mineen, the mother of the believers, Aisha, anha, may Allah have mercy upon her. Uh, may Allah be pleased with her, sorry. So for us to really understand the Qur'an, we must also understand the seerah, understand the sunnah and, and how it was applied. And one of the really uh, good examples is, is that when we read the Qur'an, we will come across many stories, right? We will come across uh, many events that happened, whether it be kind of the events of some of the battles, Battle of Badr, Battle of Ahzab. You know, Surah Al-Ahzab um, explains the whole battle, the context of the battle. But by studying seerah, we can we can attach the two. We can see what did actually happen in this battle and what did Allah have, what did Allah say about this battle? Before it and after it. When it comes to the time when the Christians came from Najran to speak to the Prophet ﷺ, we know that this happened in the seerah. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about it in Ali and Imran, Surah Al-Imran. So only by attaching the two together, uh, by understanding what happened in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, and then seeing what Allah had said about it, can we really understand the Qur'an and uh, reflect on its meaning in the proper way? And just detaching the two from each other, what happens is we treat the Qur'an as a mere kind of book, you know, as many other books have become. And we as Muslims do not want to do that. We want to make Islam practical, make the Qur'an practical so that we can apply it in our lives today. So the seerah will give the explanation of these ayat and how it could be, how did the Messiah react when Allah um, sent these ayat upon him? And how did the Muslims react? If we don't understand this and don't really understand this, we don't haven't really grasped the Quran in the way it should be grasped. So that was you know second reason, but the third reason really linked to this again, and all of the reasons are you can you can say they are linked, is many of us we will profess uh, rightly so we will profess to love the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We will um, honor you know the honor our honor is the honor of the Prophet sallallahu when when he is attacked when he is uh, criticized or mocked we will rightly so, want to uh, defend him, right? But um, how have we really, you know, how can we say we love a person if we don't really understand what this person, who this person was, what he came with, how his life went about? And, you know, if we haven't really understood this, can we really say truly that we love this person? You know, I can't, I don't think we can really. Even if we utter it, if we can profess that we love the Prophet what well, many of us do, um, yes, that's that's good, alhamdulillah, but if we don't really understand the seerah, and never, if, ever, you know, given the depth of understanding and learning to the seerah, how can we make this claim, even if we feel it? And the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith that uh, none of you will attain true iman until you love me more than your parents, your children, and the whole world. SubhanAllah. Imagine just 
ponder of, over the meaning of this uh, hadith. That none of you will have attained true iman, meaning our belief, until we love the Prophet more than anything else, anyone else. And imagine, when it comes to our parents, when it comes to our children, we love them so much. There's this uh, love that Allah has put in us that no other love can you know, uh, beat this. When it comes to our parents, when they fall ill, when anything happens to them, do we not, in a beat, come to, to the aid of our parents? Because we have that love, that feeling, because they you know, brought us up while we were young and they've done everything for us. When it comes to our children, we will lose sleep, <laughs> we will lose time for our children, we will do everything for our children. Rightly so, this is the natural love that we have, right? But what is the Messenger of Allah telling us? That none of you will have attained true Iman until you love me more than your parents, more than your children, and more than anything in the whole world. Really, we need to ponder over these hadith because subhanAllah, it carries weight. It's, you know, it has a massive meaning. And when uh, the Messenger of uh, said this, um, Omar heard this, subhanAllah. And you know Omar, Omar doesn't really shy away from his feelings. So he went to the Prophet and he said that, you know, I love you more than my parents. I love you more than my children. But I don't love you more than myself. He, you know, he had this character. Everyone knows Omar. He said, I don't love you more than myself. So the Prophet told Omar that only when you love me more than even your own self have you attained true Iman. So Omar went away, thought about this, pondered over this. And he asked himself, that, do, I, you know, do I really love the Prophet more than myself? You know, would I put my life ahead to defend him and he came to the conclusion that he does he does now he does love the Prophet more than himself so he went back to the Prophet and he said that now I'd love you even more than my own self and the Prophet said now you have attained true Iman subhanallah so this shows us that even you know the Sahaba even struggled not struggled they, they initially they had to think about this because they understood the meaning of what the Prophet was saying but when it came to their actions, no doubt, they did love the Prophet more than anything, even their own selves. And uh, like I said, many of us profess this. We will all say that we love the Prophet and we, we even undertake certain actions that show this love, but maybe in the incorrect way, I would argue. Uh, so for example, many of the people, they celebrate something called uh, Milad al-Nabi to kind of celebrate the, the, um, the birthday of the Prophet uh, But this is not the way that we should love the Prophet This is the, you know, this doesn't mean that um, we love the Prophet because we can celebrate his birthday. This is very superficial. That if if this is the only thing we do to show our love and express our love for the Prophet then we really need to ask ourselves that is it really just this? Uh, many of us will even follow the characteristics of the Prophet or um, what when I mean the characteristics, I mean the um, etiquettes or the clothing, like even this thobe that I'm wearing today. Many will say that oh, this is how I'm showing my love for the Sunnah. But the blunt truth, really, I'm wearing this today as well, I can say it with, you know, I wear the, uh, the thobe. But the blunt truth is that even the Quraysh, the enemies of Allah, they wore similar clothes. This doesn't mean that we love the Prophet ﷺ. Just because we, uh, you know, because we dress in a way. We may, we may want to express our love in this way, and that's fine. But if we think that this is what entails love of the Prophet ﷺ, and only this, then we've really not understood uh, what it really means to love the Prophet ﷺ. Um, only when we truly understand a person in the true manner um, that we can love a person. Take, for example, uh, when a child loves his favorite footballer. 
take for example Ronaldo you know many children will say that they love him and they they want to follow him they want to look like him they have the ha- same hairstyle as Ronaldo they'll wear the same clothing of, of Ronaldo and follow his characteristics follow him and everything they'll know everything about Ronaldo how many goals he scored uh, what he does in his personal life everything right um, why is that because they love love him in that sense they love Ronaldo so they want to follow him in every way but how many of us do the same with the the best of mankind who is Muhammad sallam so if we really love him do we not need to understand him research him learn about what he did what was his mission why did he come and that is the only way we can really express true love for the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and you know um there's a story of um Suhail ibn Amr, he was a non-Muslim at the time. He um, went to, basically he went to, um, uh, he was the sole negotiator for the Quraysh. He was very eloquent with his speech. And uh, I will, we'll talk about this when it comes to the actual event. But he was sent to the Muslims to negotiate, right? And he went to, and he saw what was happening. Uh, he went back to his people and said, Look, I have met the greatest of leaders in, in the whole of kind of the peninsula, whether it be the Caesar of Rome whether it be Kisra of Persia, whether it be Najashi of Abyssinia. I've met all of these great leaders, right? But I've never ever seen a person loved more than his, by his people than the Messenger, وسلم, or more than Muhammad. The, he saw some amazing things. He saw that when the Messenger was doing the wudu, the Sahaba would try and catch the, the droplets because they thought that the, 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 you know, the droplets that were coming from the wudu and the hands of the Prophet would have blessing and barakah in it. And they would listen to him attentively and never ever, you know, kind of disrupt or, you know, they had so much respect for the Prophet And that, then this, this person, um, Suhail ibn Amr, had never ever seen anything like it. But today we don't have the Messiah with us. We don't, right? We don't have, he's not with us today. But we have his seerah. We have his sunnah. And how many of us really have studied it in the right depth um, to understand? And inshallah, this, uh, this Talking Seerah podcast will give us a bit of a glimpse into the life of the Prophet and allows to motivate us to kind of learn more about it so that we can love the Prophet in the best of ways. So moving on to another reason why, a very key and fundamental reason of why we should study the seerah and um, one that really applies uh, to us in our life today that I would argue that applies more today than it applied to some of the Muslims of the past and that reason is that by studying the seerah we are able to attain the methodological steps of reviving Islam and establishing Islam in the realm of life today. What do I mean? There was a time about 80 or 90 years ago uh, where Islam was brought to an end, right? And we know from the seerah, and we will speak about it, that the Messenger established Islam first in Medina. So from Medina all the way to 1924, all the way till that time, we had Islam. We had Islam being established through many different kind of powers, but Islam was being established in the realm of life. Today we don't have that. But what we do have, we have the methodological steps. We have the steps that the Messenger took in those first 13 years in Mecca, and then what he did afterwards in Medina, we have those steps, right, in the seerah. And what he did, what the battles took place, how he went about it, how he sent the Muslims to kind of educate and Sorry, to, to culture and, uh, you know, give da'wah, essentially, um, so that Muslims would, uh, people would embrace Islam and give power to Islam, give the Islam the, the, the right authority so that the laws and sharia of Allah could be applied. So we have all of this in the seerah. 
So by studying it, you know, with depth, we're able to understand what are these methodological steps. Um, and that is why it's very important. As I was saying, he's the best of examples. Allah says that in the Messenger of Allah, you have the best of examples. So if we have this, this is not a choice. Like we don't have a choice in the matter. Allah is telling us that he is the only example that we must follow. So, you know, we can't say that, oh, this is one example. We can follow something else, whether okay, democracy, let's follow this. Oh, let's follow fighting. No, we only have this one choice, which is the method of the Messenger wasallam. And that method, where does it come from? The seerah. So only by understanding the seerah can we understand the method. And we will go through um, some of the... Um, the, the intricacies and the detail of this in later sessions, but this is one of the the key reasons that we uh, we must uh, you know understand. So moving on to uh, another another uh, a reason why we should study the seerah, and that is uh, very important again today is that it provides us with the history of Islam, the history of Islam from its beginning, from where it started in the cave of Hira that we will speak about and what happened there we will speak about, all the way to kind of how it went. How the Messenger went and brought about uh, brought Islam out to society, to to how it was established in Medina, to how it went and took Islam to kind of wider wider lands in the Arabian Peninsula, to Spain, to Persia, to all these lands. This seerah gives us that foundation of how what was the history of Islam, this history of Islam that is so important to us today because there is a campaign to remove this history. You know, a, you know, a vicious campaign to remove this history from our curriculum in the Muslim world. So that our Muslims that are growing up today, they don't have this. They don't have this attachment to their history because they're not taught it. And there was a, there was a, when I say there was a campaign, they actively went to the Muslim lands and they went through the curriculum and they, you know, ripped it to shreds and took apart uh, the curriculum and, and they established the Western viewpoint of Islam, which was very secular, very ritualistic. And they removed that element of Islam, which was the seerah, which was the kind of aspect that we apply in society, the political aspect of Islam. They totally removed it and destroyed it. Um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, a philosopher, he once said that in order to destroy a people, you must first survey their roots. So what does he mean by that? If you want to destroy a people, you must survey their roots, meaning remove their history so that they don't have that thing to go back to. Like we may be in a dire situation, but if we don't have Islam to go back to, then how do we reform our situation? How do we revive our situation? And this is what he meant by that, that in order to destroy your people, you, you can kind of defeat them and you know torture them and persecute the people. But to really destroy your people, you sever their history, remove those, their roots. And that is why in order for us to preserve our roots, we must study the seerah because we're not going to get it in the curriculum. They've destroyed our curriculum. They don't teach us this in our schools. But by picking up books, by listening to lectures and podcasts like this, we're able to rekindle that relationship that we have with our history, inshallah. And to give some examples of the Sahaba, um, the grandson of Ali, uh, Ali ibn Hussein ibn Ali Abi Talib, he said that they were taught the seerah in the same fashion that they were taught the Quran. Imagine that. As I was saying, that they didn't detach. The Qur'an is something that we hold in massive regard because it is the speech of Allah. And we should hold it at a, a great status. But what they were doing, what he was saying is that the seerah was taught in the same way because they understood that link. And then even Muhammad ibn, Abi, uh, ibn 
Sa'ad ibn Waqqas would say that our fathers would teach magazi. And magazi means the battles of the Prophet ﷺ, which is another word for seerah. They would teach us the magazi as uh, they would t- tell, tell us that learn these, you know, to tell us that these are your traditions of your fathers, so learn them. And what is interesting about the magazi being used for seerah is that al-magazi means battles, right? And the reason they used this word for the seerah is because most of the seerah is about the battles of the Prophet ﷺ. Battle of Uhud, Battle of Badr, all those battles that took place in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, most of the seerah is the battles, right? And the, the reason I say that this is important is that what, what has happened today is they've tried to reduce seerah to something very personal, something about the manners of the Prophet ﷺ, about the characteristics of the Prophet ﷺ, um, the ritualistic aspects and you know how he was as a father, which don't get me wrong, they're very important. But why did the, you know, predecessors explain the seerah to be maghazi, the battles because they understood that there was a political aspect there was an aspect that was more predominant in the seerah that's why they called it the battles of the prophet and only in recent history have we seen this detachment away from the kind of the aspect that was most predominant because it was a deliberate deliberate attempt to move away from uh, that which will kind of give that motivation to the muslims and again, moving over to the next reason, it really allows us to understand true victory in Islam. When it comes to um, today, like we have certain things that happen that Muslims can get joyous about. I'll give you an example. So uh, when we had uh, the Muslim mayor of London, not all Muslims, but some Muslims, they kind of thought this was some sort of victory. That someone in a democratic system, a system that wants to destroy Islam becomes a mayor. This is some reason to celebrate. And it really asks you why. Is this victory? Is this truly what Islam came here to, you know, came for? That just a Muslim that really embraces the liberal secular values can become mayor? Uh, I don't think so, right? And Sira gives us that understanding. Another example could be uh, what we had with, um, what, I forgot his name, the um, Saj- Sajid Javid, uh, his name is. Um, he, he, you know, he was going into the battle to become prime minister. And some Muslims, the liberal Muslims, I'd argue, I wouldn't say all Muslims believe this, probably a minority actually, thought that this was some sort of victory. But by studying the seerah, we can really understand what is that true victory? What is, what is it that um, gives us that honour? And it was through you know, establishing Islam, taking Islam to further lands, um, you know, the battles that were won uh, in the honour uh, of Islam and establishing Islam that Allah required from us to do. And the final reason that I want to talk about before kind of bringing this session and the podcast to a close is is the seerah allows us to to develop that Islamic identity. Today, this is so important, not just for us, but for our children, that uh, studying seerah allows us to understand what is the identity that we have today. You know, are we, people talk about identity crisis. You know, we've got on one hand, we've got kind of, you know, our Pakistani, Bangladeshi, Arab identity. The other hand, we have this kind of British, Western identity that has been pushed down our throats. Then we have Islam. You know, where do we really fit in? By understanding and studying the seerah, we're able to grasp that this is what it means to be a Muslim. This is what it means to be part of the Islamic ummah. But today, you will find that our children are being shoved a kind of liberal, secular view of um their identity. So uh, the other day I was reading a, a story about how some children in a school, they refused to follow the lesson which was about LGBT+. They told their teacher that I don't want to be part of this. And then what did the school do? The school suspended them. 
said that you're not allowed to come back to school or that for a period. You know, because what we're hap- what's happening today is a very aggressive form of liberalism is being forced down our throats, forced down the throats of our children that we must defend against. And in order to defend against this, we have to study the seerah. We need to go back to our roots, go back to our identity and develop the identity of Islam. Um, and, you know, we've got many more examples where, you know, where it comes to the SRE education that's been taught in the schools in, in, uh, in Muslim schools. You must ask ourselves, like, why are they choosing Muslim schools to do this? Because they want to target Islam. So... To bring it to a close, bring this pod- podcast to a close, uh, inshallah, I've given various reasons why it is important to understand and study the seerah. But um, we we know, we need to uh, really, you know, there's many reasons, but inshallah, we need to pick up the books, pick up, you know, the, the, the sources of Islam, which allow us to ponder the depth of the seerah. So I, inshallah, I hope that I've motivated us to understand this. Um I pray that you've all benefited, inshallah. And uh, like I said, it's going to be available on on podcasts, uh, on all podcasts and on YouTube and Facebook. And um, please share uh, and let us know if any feedback, inshallah. And I will gladly take it on board. Quli quli hada wastakfirullah wa lakum wa lisaidil muslimina fastakfiruhu innahu wal ghafurur rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.